step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune. Covering breaking news and current events as it pertains to Bible prophecy. In effect... Chronicling the coming of Christ the King. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune. This June the third, twenty seventeen. It is a privilege and an honor to be with you tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, we have serious problems going on across this planet. Just take note, this week in Washington, there was a massive fish kill in Puget Sound. And they're saying that it was because these thousands of fish were in water that was too great of a temperature. Ladies and gentlemen, in Taiwan, if you can even imagine this, 23 inches of rain fell within 11 hours, completely off the charts. The crack in the Antarctica ice shelf has grown 11 miles. If it continues to do so, it's, it's literally going to be, become... A gargantuan iceberg. Absolutely off the charts. This week, of course, the right-wing religious crusaders got a great big stab in the back because Trump uh, failed to move the U.S. Embassy to Jerusalem. But, of course, they received reparations for this. Trump obviously uh, knew what was of greater concern to these people because he pulled out of the Paris Accords. Of course, he one of the direct quotes was that uh, he was elected the president of Pittsburgh. Everybody knows that uh, this climate deal was just going to crush the factories. So he stabbed them in the back and then gave them reparations by way of their wallets. The political tensions continue to rise and to rise and to rise. Ladies and gentlemen, I strongly suggest that you buckle your seatbelts and get your trays into the upright positions for we your host, Clinton Co-Watch, Brian Ingram, and I, Matthew Miller, fully intend to ride this for all its glory. Get ready, ladies and gentlemen. Whether all of us accept 
parts or not is completely and absolutely irrelevant. Christ the King is coming. He is coming. And on that, you had better bet your bottom dollar. Why, you're going to pull those pistols and whistle Dixie. Let's ride.
Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune. It is uh, so good to have everybody here with us tonight. Uh, let's get everybody unmuted. Uh, Clinton, how was your week? Uh, and what was you paying attention to this week? Was it economic or other stuff you were watching this week, bud? Well, uh, this week was a good week. Um, you know, we have so much happening. It's ridiculous. It's hard to keep your eye on just economic issues that came out, but also uh, these terrorist attacks that are hitting almost on a daily basis right now. So that just kind of take a lot of focus of what's going on. Well, I do want to formally file a complaint uh, with uh, you, Clinton. I see that you didn't post any diligent watchmen this week. Um, I usually enjoy them, so just so you know. We won't discuss that any further, will we, Clinton? Brian, how was your week, uh, buddy, and what you've been keeping an eye on this week? My week, uh, that would be a rather interesting answer, would it not? Um, dealing with some entertaining personal things locally, which is, you know, sort of usual. But this week's been a combination of looking at a little bit of the news, spending a whole heck of a lot of time in history from... Well, I guess it's the uh, infamous modern history, really rolling forward from the 1800s, moving up to current times. And then mixed in with that, quite an interesting Bible study that I think I'm going to unveil a good majority of that when we uh, when I get into my bit later tonight. Good deal, good deal. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no shortage of stuff that needs to be covered from a biblical end times pers perspective, that's for sure. Uh, there's just no shortage. Uh, me and Brian also might spend a little time in the latter part of the program talking about two other different issues. He and I discussed some things this morning, uh, really early this morning. Uh, soon after midnight, he and I talked about one issue that uh, he'd stumbled across. And I had a pretty interesting conversation uh, with uh, a brother from Australia. got very mad at me. Uh, at the end of the day, he started screaming, and I heard him throw something, and he started cursing and hung up the phone on me. And about 30, 35 minutes later, I get another text message from him, and I talked to him, and, and he, was, uh, he wasn't mad at me. He was just extremely frustrated that his whole life he had been led down a path and he had never got a chance to speak with me personally to ask me this question why I always refer to that term when I'm speaking so we we, we might get into a little other stuff if we have time I also want to strongly suggest that everybody go to uh, clintoncowatch.com and go by his uh, diligent watchman podcast he put one up on uh, the 15th of last month that I and my uh, two sons, we've listened to it about six or seven times. Uh, and I think that Aaron just downloaded it. Uh, so I think he's listened to it on his MP3 player. But uh, good stuff. Uh, but let's get right to the saddle. We have wasted enough time babbling on. Uh, sorry that we got on here late, but I had to go out of town, and I literally signed onto the switchboard, and I had two minutes, 37 seconds before the show started. So... Sorry for the delay tonight. I know that um, all of you all over the planet 
are expecting the End Time Tribune to be at a certain time, and I am sorry that is my fault. Uh, do not hold that offense against Clinton or Brian. That was exclusively me. So, Clinton, why don't you just uh, jump right on in, in here and uh, swing away, Mel. Swing away. Yeah, no, not a problem. I mean, it's it's great to be here and, and great to be talking with everyone. Um, I mean, my biggest concern that I just see developing across the globe um, is kind of a idle threat that we really never really paid attention to that ISIS is always done during the the holiday of Ramadan. And, uh, you know, which is basically saying, hey, you know, ISIS declares war on the, the West during Ramadan. And they did the same thing this year. You know, it, there's an article in Newsweek, you know, that came out on the 26th of May, you know, that's titled ISIS calls for all out war on the West during Ramadan. And we are seeing that develop, I mean, very rapidly across the globe. I mean, so far during the month of Ramadan, which has only been going on for a couple of days, uh, there's already been 149 deaths attributed to attacks from ISIS. And that unfortunately doesn't even account for the ones that happened just, you know, a couple hours ago. Um, I mean, it's, it's getting, it's getting to the point that people are starting to see their, their own individual lives affected by, by that are going on with ISIS and, and with terrorism. And this is a trend that unfortunately is going to continue. It's, it's going to expand and it's going to grow. Um, and it's, it's, kind of a necessary evil for what the ultimate plan is. And, and that's to put everyone on a, a monitored system, you know, to where everyone is, is watched and every action is, is monitored. Um, but until we get there, these terrorist attacks are going to be a, a thing that I think we're going to have to deal with on a very consistent basis. Um, I mean, the, the most, you know, here just recently, we've had two different bombings in Iraq. Um, we've had this, shooting in the Philippines where, you know, we have a shooter go inside of a casino during its busy hours, setting, you know, tables on fire and shooting on machines and, and killing, you know, 37 people uh, before taking his own life. Um, ISIS, you know, originally it came out saying, you know, this is a botched robbery, you know, but ISIS has come out recently saying, no, they, they accept claim to this that they actually were associated with doing this terrorist attack. Um, you know, we have the bombing in Manchester where now it's, it's coming out that the man that did the bombing that they believed did the bombing actually went down into Libya and, and met with ISIS there. So we have this, this tie to ISIS in numerous different countries of massive scale terrorist attacks that are happening. And the most recent is of course, tonight. Um, and it's, it's sad what happened tonight where um, we have on London bridge, someone basically plowed through a crowd of people and kill six people. And at the same time we have at a different location, uh, someone start stabbing people at a restaurant. I mean, we. I mean, it's it, it's getting almost surreal to even just consider that this is going on, and this is and this is developing, and this is growing, and this this is an indication of how unstable our planet actually is. 
um, how unstable our society is. I mean, we know that this is happening in Syria. We know that throughout the Middle East, the terrorist attacks are happening. But to expand almost on a daily basis, and, and the, the, the most interesting thing is this, this call to arms that ISIS did in this May, um, there was a little uniqueness to it uh, because the propaganda message was called to its soldiers. And it was, it was called to attack on Western homes, their markets, their roads, and their forums. And we know civilians are maxed into that. So, you know, I mean, unfortunately, this, this is going to grow. And this is going to expand. This is the state that we live in. And we have opportunistic people that are going to try to take advantage of the system as much as we can. Um, and, and what I mean by that is, is you take, for instance, Donald Trump, who is trying to push this travel ban, and he's pushing it all the way to the Supreme Court. We talked about this last, uh, last week, where Jeff Sessions said they are going to take the travel ban to the U.S. Supreme Court. And as soon as the attacks are happening during you know, Ramadan, we have Donald Trump calling for the reinstatement of the travel ban. You know, it's, it's hard to completely deny that and say that's a bad call, considering what's happening in the world. But then you neglect all the people within those countries that are actually good people. You know, and you, and you basically set them up to be kind of torn apart. And that's the unfortunate drawback to it. But this is the, the state of our union. This is the direction that we're headed. We are, direct, we are headed towards a society where these terrorist bombs, these attacks are going to be a stable of our society, unfortunately. And we have isolationism, which is what the United States and Donald Trump is doing, is going to become a more standard. I mean, you, you look at what's going on between the UK and Great Britain right now with the Brexit. You have Great Britain is saying that the UK owes something like $133 billion or something like that to pull out of, of the EU. And Great Britain is basically saying that they're not going to pay the bill. And Germany is saying, well, you have to, or we're going to kind of stop trading with you. And in the same token, in the midst of all this, we have Donald Trump go through and meet with all these countries and have almost every single country shy away from the United States. We have, you know, Merkel, who is in charge of Germany at this time, basically say that they cannot rely upon the UK or the United States, that they have to go upon it themselves, that Europe has to go upon itself. So we, we know that the EU is falling apart. We know that the only piece of the EU that's holding anything together is Germany. And we also know the EU is trying to develop a European Union army, which is against the constitution. But the only country that was against the vote of the European army was the UK. Now the UK is doing Brexit. There is no vote against creating a European army which kind of fits into the scheme of how everything is developing. We, we know the armies are developing in Russia. We know armies are developing in Europe. We know armies are developing with 
Great Britain and tied to the United States because we are the Eagle's Wings. And we know that armies are developing in the Middle East and China. You can see the same thing over in China with North Korea. So all of these are developing for one purpose. And, and we know what that purpose is leading to. But we're hoping that we're all wrong. We're hoping that what is developing is not going to be the case. But everywhere we look, we see it's happening. And we, I mean, the United States recently just did a missile defense test, you know, to shoot down a missile. And it was successful under perfect conditions. You know, I mean, they knew exactly what the trajectory was. They knew exactly where they were shooting. They knew exactly what the wind was going to be. And, and yes, they, they hit it. And shortly after that happens, and we have this successful test, Russia comes out and claims that they successfully tested a hypersonic missile, which makes the Western defenses obsolete. So we, we got this kind of peck and forth. You know, United States, we have North Korea saying, hey, we're going to shoot missiles. We got the United States saying, no, you cannot. We got a missile defense system. And then we got Russia coming out saying, hey, your missile defense system is obsolete. We can shoot a missile that goes 4,600 miles per hour, almost 66 times the speed of sound, which can guarantee that it cannot be intercepted. So this, this missile defense test that we just did is irrelevant. Uh, Russia is supposed to have this fully operational on their subs um, in 2018. So, you know, they just successfully tested it, and now they're going to put it on the subs, which means that our missile defense helps against North Korea, but not against Russia. Not against a foe that actually maybe can do some serious damage to us. So as this grows, hopefully we're wrong. Hopefully it's not developing that way. But unfortunately it is. Um, you look from the, the economic standpoint, and we have... In May, the, the jobs report just recently came out. They anticipate 185,000 jobs are going to be created. And 138,000 were created. I mean, keep in mind this 138,000 is ridiculously low. I, I remember during the Bush administration when everyone was making fun of uh, George Bush Jr. Not, not creating jobs and not doing his part. I mean, they still create about 250,000 every month. So this 138,000 is a huge drop-off, and it's a substantial drop-off from what they anticipated. But the interesting thing is the unemployment rate went down. So if they're not creating jobs and they're not and they're not um, you know they're not creating jobs, and the unemployment rate's going down, which means people are fully employed. They're basically sending the indication that the United States is fully employed. Uh, the unemployment rate has dropped down to 4.3%. Now, the importance of this is we have the Fed that is supposed to do an analysis and a possible rate hike in June. So they were tying everything onto the unemployment number. So they anticipate doing the rate increase because of the unemployment number, that may not be accurate. And, and the reason I say that's not accurate is the unemployment rate, and we've talked about this before, but the unemployment rate is based off of the amount of people actually collecting 
you know, subsidies or help looking for jobs. If they're not collecting that assistance, they're not calculating that number. And that assistance has a time frame. So if you have a, a population that is looking for jobs, can't find jobs, and runs out of unemployment, they fall off of that number, which makes the unemployment rate goes down. It doesn't mean that there was jobs found for these people. It means that they just fell off the system. They're no longer getting help. So that's the only reason that the amount of jobs that they anticipate to make was they weren't able to create as many jobs as they anticipate to make. That's the only way that the unemployment rate can go down is if people are falling off the system. And where do we see an indication of that happening? Well, unfortunately, you have to look at a recent article that came out of the LA Times. And I mean, there's just no other way to put this. Um, I'll just read the title. It says, LA County homelessness jumps a staggering 23% as needs far outpace housing. We talked about last week how the system is siphoning money away from people and people are falling out of the system. How it's going to be more and more expensive to pay rent, to pay houses, you know, the mortgage, to pay for food. That That is kind of the ultimate plan is to bring that money back to the United States. The side effect is the increase in the homeless population. And with this increase just in L.A. County, I always heard the adage, what happens in California happens across the United States. So we know that it's going to get very, very expensive. We know that people are, don't have the jobs to afford houses. So we know that unemployment, that people that are unemployed is going to go up. And that's why they're calling for universal income. That's why they're pushing the subject is to give people money so they can have some way to basically pay their rent, to pay for food. Because right now, the problem is escalating. No longer do we have just the, the, the downtrodden of our society that is stuck on the side of the road. We're starting to see families. We're starting to see the middle class deteriorate and, and fall to the streets. And this is all based off of design. This is all corporate greed. I mean, the whole concept of, of corporate revenue is to increase your profits year upon year. And unless you come out with new goods and services, you're either taking market share from someone else or you're raising your prices. Well, most industries, the market share has become so tight, it's hard to take market from other people and come up with new goods and services. So what tends to happen is corporations just raise prices. And they do this every year or every, you know, multiple times during the year. And they do it in small increments so that way you don't necessarily notice until they're completely overborn. And that's by design. That is how our capitalist society works. That is by design. And that is the direction and that is exactly where we're headed. And the, the bad thing about this is you tie in the climate accord the Paris Climate Accord that the United States just pulled out, that there's only two other countries in the entire world that are not part of this. One is Syria. The other one is Nicaragua. 
Now, the, the one, Nicaraguas believes that um, the accord was not harsh enough against wealthy countries. So that's why they've refused to sign into the accord because they believe the, the, the punishment or you know, the cost should be higher on, on wealthy countries. The other is Syria because in the midst of a civil war. So we're in a great country, a great company for the pullout of this climate accord. But this is consistent. This is absolutely consistent with what the plan is. And the plan is to basically pull the money back to the United States and then allow the globalistic kind of view to go to China. And we see China is doing exactly that. You know, when, when the United States pulled out of the TPP, China was there. When the world was worried about trade with the United States, China's there. When the United States is pulling out of the Paris Climate Accord, China is there. It seems it's by design that power is being transferred from the United States to China in some way. Or is this by design? I mean, the only reason that this could be by design is if you look at oil and you look at the reasoning for why we would pull out of it. The drill, baby, drill. The United States plans on controlling the oil market, controlling the petrodollar, and controlling the world through that. And we cannot be part of the Paris Climate con uh, Conference or Accord to do that. So that's why we're pulling out. China's going to step in. India has even come out and said that by 2030, they plan on selling nothing but electric cars. What kind of revolution is that going to put in the auto industry? If by 2030, the largest democracy on earth, one of the largest car markets or emerging car markets, only has electric cars. So, you know, either the United States needs to be on top of that curve or we're going to be behind that curve. And from our actions on a global trade scale to want to renegotiate everything, we're just allowing China to step right in. We're allowing China to make agreements before we even get a chance to talk about agreements because they've anticipated this. And this is the plan. And we can see it unfolding in front of us. So I hope that got us started, guys. I'll kind of hand it over for you and, and let you kind of see what you have to say. Well, let me ask you this, Clinton. You said that the labor participation rate went down. But then you also said that, you, that they just released that the unemployment went down. I... That's a contradiction in terms unless the actual jobs themselves were lost. I mean, that's the only way that this can make sense. That What I mean by that is you've got 20 jobs at the gas station. The only way for the labor participation rate to go down and the unemployment rate to go down is if the gas station no longer has 20 jobs. It only has 10 jobs, at least – that's kind of what I'm thinking. Is 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 it? Is that correct? Or is that not right? Well, kind of. I mean, you're going to have a loss of jobs, you know, based off of you know either companies closing their doors or um, you know people retiring or leaving like that. So you're going to have a, a, a decrease in 
um, the amount of jobs out there. What, what I'm mostly talking about is the um, amount of jobs that they register that they create during that month and then the actual overall unemployment rate associated to that. Um, so how they come to that can be determined on either the loss of, of jobs on a different aspect of it, but these are just basically just jobs created. Well, I caught hold of a very disturbing documentary today. Uh, I did a post on Twitter. You might want to take a look at it, ladies and gentlemen. I call it uh, the new uh, Albert Schlager, if you know what that is. What's a work camp? That's a Nazi concentration camp. This thing is off the charts, what they have done. This factory is bigger than a city that they've done in China. And they live there. They have like 17,000 workers, and that's where their kids go to school, is in the factory. That's where you live in the factory. That's where you get married in the factory. It's, it's, it's literally – it's been perfected. Now, when you see the documentary, everybody's in – you know, everybody's had their showers, and everybody's wearing the same uniform – uh, bright yellow, by the way. They're all clean. I mean, they're not dirty. But ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is communist China. You understand, they weren't asked if they wanted the job. And there were three things that they were fabricating. I think it was irons, grills. What was the other one? I can't remember what the other one was. Oh, coffee makers, I believe. You can just imagine, the factory never stops. It doesn't stop. So they make thousands and thousands and thousands per day. There's no way you can compete with that. There's no way. Because they don't have to buy food. I mean, ladies and gentlemen, of course they're not paid anything, because why would you pay them anything? They don't have a heat bill. You understand. They don't have to pay for their water. You understand. They don't have to pay for the food. They go to the cafeteria to do that. They don't have to pay for, uh, for the education. You don't have to pay for the school books. But they live there, and they're free, and you know, I'm sure they're allowed to leave, and they'd have nowhere to go and be destitute. Do you understand? So they get nice, clean clothes that all look the same. And literally, just like Auschwitz, it has a scene where they're showing a bunch of different people, and they just number them, and it showed it right on the screen. So there's absolutely no way we can compete with that. No way. There's, there's no way. Uh, so with that in mind, everything that everything that Clinton just said is rather disturbing to, to my mind. It's troubling to my mind. Because, ladies and gentlemen, if Saudi Arabia is going to go to all-electric cars, what is the purpose for us to take over the oil market? Don't you all see where this is going? No wonder we're not on the one belt, one road. No wonder. I mean, why, why would we be? 
I mean, you take note, this factory wasn't set up to do anything worthless like video games, right? It doesn't make cell phones. <laughs> and basically, you know, we've done gotten to the point here in American society that if you're not producing one of those two things, it's basically nobody even wants to do anything to do with it unless it's a cell phone or a video game, right? I mean, let's not deceive each other. That's the truth. You'll take note they were producing things that are absolutely 100% needed. I mean, everybody knows one of the major valuable commodities on this planet is God knows that. I mean, even in Cuba, ladies and gentlemen, uh, they will take the coffee out, dry it out on the roof, and reuse the coffee four or five times. It's so valuable. Everybody drinks coffee. Everybody on the planet. <laughs> so that should that should worry you. We're going someplace, and it is overtly. And so grossly obvious that it's not a good place. And this is just coming down the barrel, coming down the barrel, coming down the barrel. You know, I'm and I, I'm so sorry I'm going to ask Clinton this publicly. I don't want to. I really don't. Clinton, have you did any research about it? Uh, last week or the week before, there was 10 Basically, what, nine countries that are already doing this universal basic income, and – or was it ten? No, that was another topic. I'm sorry, Clinton. Um, have you studied these states that have already instituted the universal basic income? Uh, please do tell me. Does this mean that they eradicate Social Security, disability, and food stamps? They eradicate all of that and then give everybody – a universal basic income? Have you uh, collected any data on these these test cities or wherever that they're doing this? Uh, these people that are on disability, do they take that from them and just give them the basic income? Is is that what's happening, or do you have the data on it uh, there, Clinton? Well, I have not seen uh, the data on that yet or what they're anticipating doing it. Right now, it's just in discussions from what I've heard in the United States. Uh, we have countries like Sweden, Finland um, that are implementing it. Um, for instance, like in Finland, what they're, what they're doing is they're using it as a subsidy for lower income people. So I don't think they're taking away stuff, but they're just giving more to it um, because they have a, a real uh, – program that already kind of helps their population. So I think that's kind of what they're trying to do there. Um, Italy, we, they're just in discussions kind of trying to figure out what they're going to do. But at this point, they haven't really decided if they're going to have it as an addition or start to remove items. The, the big thing, I think, is if you look within the, the budget and with all of the cuts um, that are going into the, say, the United States budget when it comes to all these uh, programs that are helping uh, the underprivileged and um, that may kind of give us a sign of what direction they're going to probably head. Well, that's why I ask you because uh, I know the Brian I. I don't know if you were there or not whenever we first covered this, but uh, Brian sent me the link from the government website, and, and we read it on air. 
and like they were taking 30% from ag, which that's food stamps, ladies and gentlemen. They take it from the Department of Agriculture, that's food stamps, okay? And this and that and the other, and, and that's what I'm trying to say, Clinton, is that that's where it looks like this is going. I mean, you understand this is this would be uh, alleviating all of these expenditures that we have that nobody wants, yet they could say, well, no, we replaced it with the universal basic income, even though my, let us say, our our 72-year-old grandmother, even though her heart medicine is, you know, $700 a month, that's beside the point. It just looks like to me, oh my goodness. Clinton, what I'm trying to say is it's obvious that's where this is going. Every American would be happy they did away with Social Security and Medicaid and Medicare. They'd all be happy. And they could justify their actions by saying, well, we're still doing what they did in Auschwitz, are we not? Amen, everybody? The Jews got to eat. They had a place to live, right? I mean, we've already got five states to get rid of your grandmother. They've, they've done instituting euthanasia laws. I'm sorry. I guess that was a little uncalled for. I'm, I'm just trying to say that Clinton keeps bringing these two things up, and I just sat here and thought about it. Why would they do that? Why are they doing this? It seems like to me it's obvious. It's their intention to eventually do away with all this burden… And of course, massively reduce it to about one tenth because when you add up, you know, Medicaid, Medicare, um, especially when these elderly poor people uh, are also on HUD, uh, they're also on food stamps. I need to shut my mouth, I guess. Uh, Brian, why don't you uh, jump in here real quick and uh, give your thoughts, questions, and comments on what. Uh, on what Clinton had to say, and uh, we're 15 minutes up before the break, uh, so we can take it early if you don't want to, or if you'd like to cover a couple of news items, go right ahead. But bye, jump in the saddle, buddy. Well, I would uh, most certainly have to agree with many things, and I guess you know it gets at face value when you come in and look at a lot of these things are going on. They sort of give you the presentation of almost being kind of in disarray, um, kind of chaotic and confusing. But, you know, as we look at many of these other things that happen here throughout this week, um, we've had several, and I mean several, bombings with major injuries and people killed here in Afghanistan. And folks, you need to remember what happened last week uh, from the clip that we played where last Sunday where Mr. Eric Prince, who is known to be very tight with Donald Trump, with many of his little uh, shadow advisors behind the scenes, because that, that little clip from Fox News, he was basically, you know, 
they wanted to call it, some people refer to it as a sales pitch. To a degree, I'd almost have to say they revealed exactly what their plan was concerning the back door with Afghanistan. And we had a couple more articles that just came out here in the uh, last few days. On the 3rd of June, we had an article. Well, actually, let me double-check that, which date that came out. The MacArthur Model for Afghanistan. And you can find this on the Wall Street Journal. And this is directly written from Eric Prince himself. This was published on May 31st. And, of course, I can't access the full article right now because newspapers have had to stop selling newspapers and they have to still generate funds somehow. So it's a subscription-based story once you uh, get past your so many views per week. But nonetheless, we had another article that was released here on Friday, June 2nd. And this was out of Common Dreams. And I'll have this all. Most of the stuff I'm actually putting to my blog, folks, over at Avert Tension Show. And this one is called Literal Colonialism, Blackwater Founder Calls for American Victory to Rule Afghanistan. Now, as Matthew had pointed out to me last night, we also had another uh, interesting little piece come up where we had, uh, just one moment, 11 contractors had been killed in one of these bombings this week in Afghanistan. Now, everybody remember last week as well, I pointed out that there was an attack and CIA militia was also involved within this attack in Afghanistan. Now, this is where we have to start sliding in some of these other events that have been happening throughout the week. Because if everybody has not uh, taken notice, there's some major problems with Bahrain, the United Arab Emirates. You're seeing things going on in Kurdistan, up in Syria, in Mosul, in Iraq. And I'm going to stop right there for one moment because I caught this last night, or well, early in the a.m. for me anyways, uh, getting ready to head to bed. I popped up the news feed real quick and Kurdistan was literally showing in Iraq they were using white phosphorus rounds. Now folks, if you don't know what white phosphorus rounds are, I would very strongly advise looking into it, but they're highly illegal to be used in war. And because there was a veil of smoke there, of course you could not even see who was responsible. We already know beyond any shadow of a doubt that there are boots on the ground that have been put in there via either we've got JSOC or we've got Blackwater. But we know for a fact that we've had people fighting with the Americans there in Iraq. Or, I mean, we've had American boots on the ground, mercenary boots on the ground with the Peshgar Ma from Kurdistan. And, I mean, it's kind of key critical and crucial that you pay attention to some of these odds and ends that are going on with the, uh, the formation of Kurdistan, the promising of land that they're giving over. But there seems to be a lot of contention about oil deals as four different Kurdish groups. Now we had a couple weeks back, we had a Texas oil group that came in and basically bought all, all shares 
from anybody in Iraq with the Kurdish people and so forth, and all of a sudden they obtained the oil field. Well, in the last couple of days, it came out to the attention of the uh, Kurdish people there with the Peshgar mob from Erbil that the other three factions had been wheeling and dealing with Russia to set oil deals in place, and they're quite infuriated. Yet this is all part of a bigger equation. Now we've had all this, uh, all these things going on here throughout the week where we've had, like I said, we had the United Arab Emirates and uh, Bahrain. There was a whole slew of hacking that went into one of the news agencies and they released a bunch of data. There's been rebellions that have broke out, um, revolts and so forth. We had another guy's account that was, uh, his Twitter account was hacked and they started throwing a bunch of stuff up on there. But you're going to notice a pattern because the same thing is happening. Um, Kurdistan put out a thing today uh, with the group in our bill there where I followed their new site. And you actually are going to start noticing this pattern all over the place. All of a sudden, you're seeing the Shiite being singled out in every one of these activities. And as I've explained before, for those of you who don't understand the different rifts and splits within the Islamic um, groups within the Muslims, you really have to sit down, you have to look at their history to understand and look at all the infighting that has gone on, all the different splits, all the different factions, who's who in this big, very complicated um, faction splitting um, odds and ends that have went on. When we compare the church, we don't really see anything that's that much different because we look at the things that happen with Catholics. We had the Nestorian. We had the uh, breaks with the Protestants, and that was a big one, folks. If you had not looked into the Protestant Reformation and the wars and everything that broke out there, you're really missing some key pieces in history. There's all kinds of other levels into this stuff. When we had the Crusades break out, Okay, when we had those groups that were basically throughout France, France and Germany, well, they came up over into Constantinople, which is modern Istanbul in Turkey, where the seat of the Eastern Roman Empire was at at that point in time. Well, they came in and they sort of started pretty much breaking the walls down and attempting to take over everything as is. So, you know, as history progressed forward and then the Ottoman Empire, who were not... Arabian through the, uh, you know, table of nations. I prefer to use that. You know, the Turkish people, we've talked about this time and time again. That's that's the house of Togmarah, folks. And this is the big, big key critical element to understanding the Ottoman Empire and the reemergence of the Neo-Ottoman Empire and how much trouble this is going to cause across the board. Because you have to understand that when the Ottomans came in, not any of the Islamic factions, not any of the Muslim groups that with all these splits, not, not one of them were able to get in there into the Byzantine, into the Eastern Roman Empire, and they were not able to knock down those walls. But we did have the crusader elements that went into France and Germany that did already weaken those walls and had knocked down several portions of it. And then obviously they rebuilt 
as things progress forward. We have these wars basically going on where the Eastern Roman Empire is trying to protect its seat there in Istanbul, Constantinople. And we had the arms dealers come forth that had the gunpowder. But I think this is really a major key into understanding everything. And it really, really is. Because the Eastern Roman Empire, the Byzantine there at that point in time, and the Ottoman Turks were basically vying. They were dealing with this person that was selling these weapons, these cannons, this gunpowder. And they were both trying to solidify this arms deal. But the Ottoman Turks were willing to pay more. So, of course, the arms dealer that was concerned more with money as opposed to human lives, of course, went and sold it to the Ottomans. Ottomans came in. They destroyed that wall. They took over Constantinople. Years later, we come to know this place is Istanbul. All of a sudden, we've got this whole same scenario in this equation that we're looking at right now. And this is where it gets, like I said, where it gets critical. Because the Arabian nations that came in through, you know, the whole Saudi Arabian area, which is a modern designation, folks, that's actually kind of important. We've already talked about how essentially everything was, well, the descendants came through Shabbat moved up through the Arabian nations. But when the Turks came in, everybody, you got to remember that they were part of Central Asian peoples. Okay, they were tied in with the Khans. Even as you move forward to the Golden Horde, you progress further into history. Well, then you had the guy that basically formed the Ottomans. Okay, so they were sort of new converts to a degree to Islam. And this really caused a rift and contention on the other part of the world with the Arabian people where they're going, wait a minute. These guys just went in and they just toppled Constantinople. They're not Arabian, and yet now all of a sudden they're running the show. So we can start to see through history one of these little details that has become key critical as we move forward. Now, all of a sudden, we've got major moves against the Shiite, which should not have surprised us, because if we remember last week, well, Mr. Trump was over there solidifying a coalition with all of the Gulf state nations, with all the Arabian nations, with President Abbas through the Palestinian the Hashemites, Egypt, we can keep going here, folks. It's really quite literally the entirety of the Arabian world and going into those that are aligned with the kingdom, the kings, the princes, all that of Saudi Arabia. All right? We had $100 billion some dollar arms deal. Well, of course, we had brought up that it goes into like $300 billion over the course of three years. But the thing is, is there's more numbers that keep coming out. These arms deals are actually getting larger. They're starting to find out that that deal was for a lot more. Then, as I had brought up last week, we had the bombing that happened there in the U.K. 
all of a sudden this had to do with the people in Libya. We had on top of it, we had 28 Christians that were killed on a bus in Egypt. Suddenly, we've got planes being scrambled out of Egypt once again to bomb Libya. We have the same pattern repeating itself. All of a sudden, the Libyans are, well, Libya, because modern-day Libya as opposed to the ancient Libyans, that's a much different story, which we're going to have to explain here at some point, and we're actually working on something to get this done. But nonetheless, all of a sudden, Libya is all the heart of everything from out of nowhere. Because, look, folks, we have not once seen Egypt rise up and start attacking the living daylights out of another nation because the Christians inside of Egypt had been harmed. But, of course, we had this rhetoric going out of Pence. We had the same rhetoric out of Donald Trump when he's making these deals with the Arabians. The same absolute rhetoric about protecting the Christians, protecting the Christians, protecting the Christians. Over in Syria, protecting the Christians. Over here, protecting the Christians. Locally, I had that little tidbit thrown in my face. Well, all of the Christians in Syria that they're killing over there, all the Christians, yes, there's Christians there, folks. That's not up for debate. But the mass majority of what's been going on in Syria has been different factions within the Islamic groups all duking it out to such a complicated mass of distortion where somebody had to basically take a bubble map and draw it out for everybody to go, this is the insanity that's happening in Syria. Here's all the alliances. Here's where they go. This goes. This goes. This goes. The mass majority of the fighting has been Muslims against Muslims, bringing in the Western nations who are in there dropping bombs, even though nobody's declared war, they're dropping bombs anyways. The infamous moment comes where Russia finally gets ticked off. Finally gets ticked off. And comes in and starts basically going after ISIS. Yet we've had all kinds of details within that that even get more and more complex the more we look at it. We've got the media playing this game with us, spinning us in a hundred different circles, getting us to look at things that need to be reevaluated. This has really been sort of at the heart, and it's a constant thread within everything. I mean, folks, stop and ask yourselves. All of the, uh, you know, when we had the infamous speech where he stood up, Bush, when he stood up and said, we're about to begin the new crusades. And everybody went, oh, no, he did not say that. Yes, folks, he did say that. They leapt in to Afghanistan, going after this Al-Qaeda, which there's a lot more going on with that scenario than meets the eye. But they leapt in. They go after all these groups of the infamous Al-Qaeda groups. 
leapt into all these other places. They get into Afghanistan. They're dealing more with Taliban because, of course, the Taliban had been in Afghanistan and there had been a whole lot of trouble that was being caused on the ground there as is. But nobody seemed to take an interest while they were in there slaughtering the people of Afghanistan. But all of a sudden they had a new boogeyman. So they showed up there to start stirring up trouble. But here's the entirety of the problem is at that stage, they were focusing on, well, people that were aligned with predominantly the Sunni groups, which are most spread throughout the areas of Arabia. Now, this goes into a lot more complexities. Once again, different factions, different belief, different alignments. We've got the Wasabis. We've got what's going on on top of it in Syria with Assad. That's a whole other story. This just keeps going for days. But if you don't understand these factions, you can't see what's going on. But all of these people that they stated were the same groups that we went in there after the events of September 11th in 2001. Lo and behold, we have Mr. Trump walks over there, gives them all weapons, signs a great big deal. Folks, can you not see the snare, the trap that has been laid? Because on top of it, in the same week, what did he do? Well, he walked over into Israel. That didn't play out so well. No mention of the capital. No move of the embassy. Meetings with a Palestinian leader. Then he rolls over. Nice little meeting with Germany and NATO. Mows down the uh, Montegro member that's about to get put into NATO, which is, mind you, Eastern Europe, folks. That's part of the Balkans. Mows him over, does his bully stance. But how much more of this was just more of entertainment? Now, as we watched what happened here and progressed throughout the week, Merkel in Germany, he already had pushed, I would have to say, beyond the point of no return, when she came here to meet with him, and they had all the news conferences, the press conferences, he basically slapped her around, um, metaphorically, not physically, but nonetheless, he did it with the way he treated her. They show a little thing where he, everybody's going, shake her hand, shake her hand, and he's looking around. Then he gets up with a speech, and she's trying to talk, and he's basically, you know, letting them know, nah, you guys ain't paying your fair share. On down the line. We've had this new socialist leader that just came to power here in France. Everybody's sitting back going, we have no idea what this guy's going to do. What happens this week after that NATO meeting? Because stood up, said, we're fed up. We're sick of this. France and Germany now allied themselves together. Within the same breath of news releases, it comes to the forefront that once again, Britain and the United States are allied with one another. We've got NATO posturing in multiple places. But here's the thing, folks, and you should have asked yourself this. As the Cold War came to a end, why did they keep NATO together in the first place? Because they had to deal with the other boogeyman. See, it's all about 
shaping our minds, ideologies, keeping everybody living in a state of perpetual chaos and fear. But never mind the fact that we'll throw a bunch of entertainment in there in the mix so that we can get the population here in the United States looking in every which direction and yet not seeing anything that's going on that's in broad daylight. As this election was playing out, folks, any of you that have studied your history have paid attention to these patterns, especially started paying attention to the patterns that went from the beginning of the Great War, because look, like it or not, folks, from that very moment the World War I started, it has not ended. And we can prove this beyond any shadow of a doubt. But when this administration came forward with the rhetoric that they were using, with the racism, with the bigotry, with the slamming on this person and that person, and on down the line. And as everybody goes into denial saying, well, that didn't happen, yet everybody piped these speeches into their own house and their, all of their entertainment media, and they're going to say that none of this happened when they watched it all happen with their own eyes. They saw the things that were stated. They saw what he was doing. Not any of this was covered up. And the media industries that everybody uses said it. So why? You should have recognized your history. You should have studied what happened after World War II and looked at the fact that, hey, what they did this time, that's part of an ongoing repetition, a pattern. They used the same tactics as we came out of World War II, the very same tactics, to the point that words were repeated exactly. And yet, because I've got a lot of people not realizing that it was important to understand history, especially within those that study the Bible, those going to church, they don't study history when they study the Bible. They led us along into the perfect storm. And I'm going to stop with that there while we take a break. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to do the last chapter of Revelation coupled with the book of Haggai. Please do enjoy this 10-minute, four-second break. You're listening to the End Time Tribune. Revelation chapter 22. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the midst of the street of it, and on either side of the river, was there a tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of that tree were for the healing of nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, and his name shall be in their foreheads. And there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun, for the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. And he said unto me, These sayings are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show unto his servants the things which must surely be done. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. And I, John, saw these things and heard them. And when I heard and seen, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel which showed me these things. Then saith he unto me, 
seed or do it not. For I am thy fellow servant, and of thy brethren the prophets, and of them which keep the sayings of this book. Worship God. And he saith unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. He that is unjust, let him be unjust still. And he that is filthy, let him be filthy still. And he that is righteous, let him be righteous still. And he that is holy, let him be holy still. And behold, I come quickly, and my reward is with me, to give every man according as his work shall be. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last. Blessed are they that do his commandments, that they may have right to the tree of life, and may enter in through the gates into the city. For without are dogs, and sorcerers, and whoremongers, and murderers, and idolaters, and whosoever loveth, and maketh a lie. I, Jesus, have sent mine angel to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root, and the offspring of David, and the bright and morning star. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst, Come. And whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, If any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away his part out of the book of life, and out of the holy city, and from the things which are written in this book. He which testifieth these things saith, Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. The Book of Haggai, Chapter 1 In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel, the son of Shaltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Ye have sown much, and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood, and build the house and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. Ye looked for much, and lo, it came too little, and when ye brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts, because of mine house that is waste, and ye run every man unto his own house. Therefore the heaven over you is stayed from dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. And I called for a drought upon the land, and upon the mountains, and upon the corn, and upon the new wine, and upon the oil, and upon that which the ground bringeth forth, and upon men, and upon cattle, and upon all the labor of the hands. Then Zerubbabel the son of Shaltiel, and Joshua the son of Josedek, the high priest with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people did fear before the Lord, 
Then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger, in the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. And the Lord stood up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shaltiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people, and they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. In the four and twentieth day of the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king, Haggai 2, in the seventh month, in the one and twentieth day of the month, came the word of the Lord by the prophet Haggai, saying, Speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shaltiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and to the residue of the people, saying, Who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do ye see it now? Is it not in your eyes, in comparison of it, as nothing? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord, and be strong, O Joshua, son of Josedek the high priest, and be strong, all ye people of the land, saith the Lord, and work, for I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts. According to the word that I covenanted with you when ye came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you, fear ye not. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, Yet once it is a little while, and I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. And I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come. And I will fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than of the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. In the four and twentieth day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, came the word of the Lord by Haggai, the prophet, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Ask now the priests concerning the law, saying, If one bear holy flesh in the skirt of his garment, and with his skirt do touch bread, or pottage, or wine, or oil, or any meat, shall it be holy? And the priest answered and said, No. Then said Haggai, If one that is unclean by a dead body touch any of these, shall it be unclean? And the priests answered and said, It shall be unclean. Then answered Haggai and said, So is this people, and so is this nation before me, saith the Lord. And so is every work of their hands, and that which they offer there is unclean. And now I pray you, consider from this day and upward, from before a stone was laid upon a stone in the temple of the Lord, since those days were, when one came to an heap of twenty measures, there were but ten. When one came to the press vat, or to draw out fifty vessels out of the press, there were but twenty. I smote you with blasting, and with mildew, and with hail, and all the labors of your hands. Yet ye turned not to me, saith the Lord. Consider now from this day and upward, from the four and twentieth day of the ninth month, even from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it. Is the seed yet in the barn? Yea, as yet the vine, and the fig tree, and the pomegranate, and the olive tree hath not brought forth. From this day will I bless you. And again, the word of the Lord came unto Haggai, 
in the four and twentieth day of the month, saying, Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I will shake the heavens and the earth, and I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms, and I will destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the heathen, and I will overthrow the chariots and those that ride in them, and the horses and their riders shall come down, every one by the sword of his brother. In that day, saith the Lord of hosts, will I take thee, O Zerubbabel, my servant, the son of Shaltiel, saith the Lord, and will make thee as a signet, for I have chosen thee, saith the Lord of hosts. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the End Time Tribune. Brian just blasted us with a font of information there. Let's get uh, Clinton's take on what uh, Brian had to cover there. We didn't get Clinton's comments on everything that this political – I don't even know what you want to call it. It, it – it, it's so obvious that we're being set up, historically speaking. Everything that's going on right now, I mean, remember that the powder keg that began the Great War, that is what this is. It was always called the Great War. This war to end all wars. The powder keg is right there in the Balkans, and we're back right there again right now, all over the news to the left and to the right. Uh, Clinton, what's your what's your thoughts and or questions or comments about what Brian had to say? You know, I completely agree with Brian that uh, everything's been growing and, and never really been completed since World War One, and and you can trace it back even to you know the Great Depression building into that and seeing how the economy's just been uh, built the same way. Um, the also the other thing I want to touch on is is what Brian talked about with the complexity of everything that's going on in Syria, uh, with the different groups, with not knowing who is with what and who's back and who and and how it's it's just it's it's kind of turning into a war against everyone, um, and and that's kind of where it's it's growing to be. So um, I think Brian hit everything on the head. I think uh, you know the. The setup that that we can see is is you know it, it's, it's this double speak um, this this whole you know we're going to be for instance uh, just an example you know uh, the United States coming out saying you know that Israel will never have to worry about the United States being their friend again um, but then we're making some deals that don't necessarily make sense and why are we not moving the embassy and why are we talking to, you know, the, the Palestinian Authority? And, and, and just things just don't quite add up at this point. And so I think uh, I think Brian has a good segue to kind of continue leading us there. I certainly agree. Ladies and gentlemen, if, if me and my son just had a very good conversation. He wanted to understand the riddle of Daniel's chapter 10 and 11. Talking about the king of the north, the king of the south, the king of the northeast, the yada, yada, yada. And I told him to take a deep breath, and I said, when you get home, I want you to study Kittim. He had no idea what I was saying. I had very limited time because this was just on on the way to me dropping him off uh, to work. I explained to him that 
Kittim has been divided into two. The northern part is in the hand of the land of the Assyrian. The southern part is in the land of the hand, how can I say that prophetically, of the prince of Greece. On top of that, when you bring up a map, you're going to find two military zones. They call them bases, but there's by far too much land there to just be bases. Uh, that are called the United Kingdom Sovereign Base Areas. That's what these administrative zones are called. And then between the two parts, of course, is the United Nations Neutral Zone. And I said, you, Aaron, I just told you two weeks ago that Syria, Turkey, Iran, and Russia declared a no-fly zone because – you know, the American military machine is absolutely perfect at hitting hospitals, uh, you know, doctors without borders, and schools. So some of our enemies and some of our friends got together and declared a no-fly zone. We immediately started violating it, of course, with targeted munitions. I said, you need to understand something. The Assyrians' land is, well, Aaron, consider this, that Syria, you can't see it, biblically speaking, because they've divided it in half, because Syria is actually southern Assyria and Aram. That's what it is. And I said, so when you look at those chapters prophetically, don't you understand that everything we're talking about, because Turkey and Greece are actually both in NATO. They're actually allies. Now that being the case, why is there United Kingdom sovereign basis, two of them, on Kittim? Then he realized, he's like, well, wait a minute, when it says the king of the north, I said, that's, that's correct. In today's terms, you understand that the king of the north of Syria – well, that's the Assyrian. But the king in the southern part of Syria, that's Aram. And all this has been convoluted and obscured. I said you need to make a map of Kittim, modern-day Cyprus. Divide that, put those terms from the prophecies, and then you will know… And then you will understand. Then you'll be able to see over the horizon. It amazes me how people don't know what twilight is. Ladies and gentlemen, twilight is eight degrees below the horizon. That's what it is. Twilight begins when the sun is eight degrees before it hits the horizon in the morning. After it goes down… Twilight remains until it's eight degrees below the horizon. You have to understand these things. They're extremely simplistic, and they're also extremely complicated. Take, for instance, the Hebrew language. You will never know how to pronounce it, not ever. You can't. Ask any expert on this planet. They will tell you that the closest 
pronunciation we can get to biblical Hebrew is, of course, the Samaritans, of which there's less than a thousand left on the planet, ladies and gentlemen. Everybody knows. Every expert on this planet will tell you that. But you ask the, Assyri- the, the Samaritans themselves, and they'll tell you, no, we, we obviously have dialect problems by now. So because God removed all the vowels from the Hebrew language, we have, we have no way to know how it's pronounced. That's why the Strong's Concordance makes sure to obliterate things. That's why when you look at it, they'll have five or six different entries for one word, and they will add their diacritics in there and change the diacritics, and they're saying it's pronounced this way or it's pronounced that way. No, no, it's not. You don't have a clue. That is why, after the great day of he who sitteth upon the throne, these things happen, they, those things happen. But this is why we're given a pure language. He gives us the vowels back in Hebrew. Now, I've known this literally, literally since I could be taught. So once you realize that, once you understand that, you should be able to uh, extrapolate out, especially after my age, realize that, well, Matthew, you need to… Get all the diacritics out of it. It's only one way to do it. Get them all out of your way. Categorically go through every single verse, and there's going to be something there staring you in the face. Well, this is exactly what Brian did. And it absolutely makes me look like a buffoon. There's no reason for me to mince words with you. I've written Ezekiel in both the Hebrew and the Greek. I had to write it. How on earth didn't I see what was on the ground? Now, to back up everything that me and Brian talked about tonight, he's already been knee-deep because I told Brian, I want the facts. I don't want no babbly book. I want you to get… all the DNA records, because we have them, ladies and gentlemen. They've been working on this since, uh, I think, the late 80s. I mean, there's no question. I mean, we just had mainstream news that I put on my uh, Twitter feed. Uh, they did genetic testing of uh, one of the mummies, one of the Egyptian mummies. And I hate to tell everybody, I had to run on everybody's party. Uh, those people were not – how do I put that in a polite way? Well, there's a mass majority of people running around. You know what? I don't need to say that either. Please go to my Twitter feed and look it up, and it proves where the Egyptians came from. And they're not what the majority of some sects in Christianity, but especially American Christianity, are saying. So with that in mind, we should expect these things, that the closer we get… To the end of the tunnel, ladies and gentlemen, the brighter the light becomes. That's why before my son got out of the car, I said, Aaron, how do you know if you're in a cavern as opposed to a cave? He immediately answered, well, you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. If you're in a cavern, you can't. So that's right. So when you're inside of it, you have no idea. You have to keep walking forward, climbing, descending, keep walking forward. And eventually you'll come around a bin, and then you'll know because you're going to hit one of two things, a bright light 
or a wall, a dead end. So we shouldn't be upset when things start shining brighter than we had before perceived. Now, <clears throat> Brian and I have talked at length about the biblical details given about Solomon. He was obviously transversing this planet. Everything prophetically related to Mundus Novus, the new world, no question about what's going on. You can prove it in any geology textbook. Mundus Novus is one-third of this planet. No doubt about it. I mean, with all these things in mind, uh, Brian's probably going to talk about a few things now, and you need to listen to him really carefully, because I did. And, like I said, the closer you get to the end, the brighter the firmament shines. Brian, jump in here. Let's uh, let's mix it up a little bit. Um, let's... Uh, Let's just get into this subject, shall we? Bri? Well, indeed. And, you know, this is uh, trying to determine where we start here. You know, there's... Uh, I can understand, you know, to a degree here, why some of the newer listeners are coming in, and they're rather confused to a degree about some of the things we've been talking about as far as what is happening as we speak in the United States. Um, you know, because we have a lot of our, uh, at least here in the United States anyway, ways, and it's actually pretty bad in a lot of the other Western, as they would refer to them, aligned nations as well, because it's spread very deeply there. But as we had the, uh, you know, the selection cycle roll along, you know, we had the two chief candidates on the Democrat side. And, well, one of them got sidelined. The other one got thrown into the mix. And the same thing happened in the Republican end of the things. One got sidelined. Another one got thrown into the mix. And it was at that point that, you know, James Dobson and the entire uh, crew basically all got together and made the infamous big announcement. That announcement made my stomach basically fall out of me instantaneously because the very moment I saw it, I knew what was about to happen. I knew who was going to win this election because they referred to this guy, Mr. James Dobson, as the kingmaker. And he stands up, he makes a proclamation, this person's a Christian, and then the rest of them join in, in tandem, you know, the whole ring of the uh you know the dominionist grouping but it goes much deeper than that but nonetheless anytime he makes that statement everybody jumps on board it's game on but here's what i watched uh, happen in the fallout of this moment i had noticed that all of the uh the varied watchman ministries all of a sudden jumped on board and I essentially watched all their social media become go Trump cheerleading factions. And I just kind of went, this is lovely. 
But this isn't the first time this happened. Folks, you have to understand that during the time that the Clintons came in, after the neocons had had a steady hold on the administration all the way up until that election when the Democrats got Clinton in, an entire string of the Dominionist uh, bigwigs got together and released varied uh, news articles on their websites, books, all kinds of things that stated an evil regime has taken over the United States. We need to take this back by force. Already, they basically had gotten everybody into the mindset of we need to rebel against this corrupt government. And they they did a little bit of their um, atypical stirring up trouble with the administration. We had a, a new Watergate scandal come in, and they had everybody running in circles. All the hearings came forward. Nothing came out of it. So, of course, they threw in some other little tidbits to get everybody running in circles. Nothing came out of it. But then, of course, we had the infamous uh, Monica Lewinsky scandal break out, and that caused all sorts of repercussions. You know, of course, and then we have within the uh, right-wing side of things, they got pretty ticked off because, well, America didn't really care. So, you know, in their mindset, this kind of thing was allowed to go. So they got very even more so militant in the progression. As we moved along, then we had the next regime change come in with the Cheney Bush. Okay, we know all what happened there. It's not really worth repeating. Everybody's aware of what happened throughout that. But that really was at the heart of our current global issues. But once again, we moved into the next administration when Obama came in and had the next eight years. Well, that same pattern started up again. We need regime change. We need this. We need that. They started circulating amongst themselves little conspiratorial um, works, you know, that were coming out of guys that have their websites locked down and you have to push 15 buttons to even get out of there and then kill your browser because he wants you to come in and buy his uh, um, anti-Russia EMP, buy my food, buy my gold, little, you know, money scheme. Well, this came out into the open because of the fact that one of the people that uh, was a Republican got a hold of this, and he said, what in the world is this that they're circulating around to all the Republicans? And he immediately contacted the press and said, guys, we've got a problem because they're literally sending out all these conspiratorial things, and they're stirring up everybody to revolt. So, of course, he was alarmed. And, of course, the press was very alarmed by this, as they should have been. So we saw that whole entire pattern building there. And we've had for years, we had Mr. Infamous Alex Jones, who outrightly admitted now that all of what he has been doing was an act. Now, folks, if anybody went out and watched that documentary, like I suggested last week about Get Me Roger Stone, as far as this last election was concerned, everything is crystal clear as to what they did. And it's as I pointed out on top of it, you have to watch back to back. You need to watch the frontline one concerning Steve Bannon. Because if you don't, you're not going to understand this. 
Let me dovetail back to where I was at before, though. Because anybody that's going out and listening to these other programs and walking into their churches, well, they've got everybody under this pretense that everything is peachy keen. This is the new almighty man of God that's running the show, and you're going to go listen to these other spots. You're going to be going, well, wait a minute. Well, they're saying this over here. Then all of a sudden, you kind of step into an area where you go, well, what's going on here? Folks, look, the very moment that you saw everybody all of a sudden immediately stand up and become pushing this political agenda through their very programs in your churches and everything else under the sun, you already should have started asking questions because this has been purposely set into gear and place. What they did in the 80s by the time while Reagan was coming down with the neocons as they basically moved full force between what they were doing with their political maneuvering, but then on top of it, they said, hey, you know, we, uh, we have a leader here that made this comment about, you know, somebody within the Catholic realm and they didn't tap into their legions. So here's what the neocons did. They went, hey, if we can get the church on board, we have our legions. And look, everybody, you can actually confirm this through multiple media reports. You can confirm it through the mouths of the politicians themselves. None of what I'm saying is hidden. You can actually find these things if you would take the time to literally look into them. And this is the whole thing. You know, we've, we've got this, this uh, generation now as we move forward. They've gotten a lot of people into these mindsets within the church where they walk in, these preachers preach like a verse out of the Bible. And then they go into some diatribe that has nothing to do with the price of beans in China. Has absolutely nothing to do with what is being stated there. And yet, when these things are said, nobody goes and looks at it, and they start repeating this stuff. You know, one of the infamous statements that I heard with the local churches here, and let me point this out, everybody, I actually spent a great deal of time in the midst of this from 2001 forward up to 2010, 2011, where I finally got fed up. I was in knee-deep in the midst of the Dominionist churches I was knee-deep in the midst of the adulterous generation that seeketh after a sign. And what do I mean there? The signs and wonders movement. Okay, folks? I'm not going to mince words here. That has completely been hijacked by occultists, and that's who's running the show. And you can walk into these places, you can pull up videos, then you can go around and start comparing things to other things that go on within the occult all throughout the world, and you're going to see a parallel because they're one and the same. And once again, how can I speak on this with authority? Everybody, you need to understand something. From 1991 until 2001, I was extremely deep in the occult. 
and I walked out of the occult and I walked into these churches and here I'm thinking, you know, I, I came to Christ at that point in time and then they throw me into these churches and I'm looking around and I'm going, this is no different than when I left. But they try to fool you and say, well, this is God. Folks, that's not God. That's not God that's doing these weird signs and wonders that they have going on. I mean, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. We have people chasing after gold dust. Um, we had the infamous you know, events down in this one church in Florida. The last guy came through. You ought to go through and read all the testimony of the people that got messed with by this pile of garbage that literally was basically putting demon after demon after demon after demon into these folks. And they ran around. But you had that mixed in with this Dominionist doctrine. Because here's the thing. I remember standing there the day that this was announced on the infamous TBN. As Lance Wallenau comes forward and he says, we are going to take the seven mountains. And then we had seven mountain theology. And what was the plan? We're going to take over all these seven areas. We're going to take over the government, the media, blah, 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 blah. Why did I get alarmed? Because you should have already recognized what the Bible says concerning those seven mountains. As things progressed, things got worse. I sat back. I was literally a voice crying in the wilderness going, what is going on here? Every time I turned around, I'm having to have talks with the leadership, having to do it privately, then having to do it publicly, and then having to expose the whole thing. And this was basically on a weekly basis. Because they kept saying all this stuff that didn't line up with the Bible. They kept pushing these things that had nothing to do with the Bible. If you even decided to follow the Bible, they said that that was a religious spirit. When somebody decided to challenge the leadership, they would mobilize everybody in the area and bring them into the church. And then they would say, we're going after the spirit of this place. Well, let me translate that for you. What they were actually doing is they were basically sending occult curses at who it was that they decided their target was. And this is the things that are happening, folks, in my neck of the woods. But you see, my neck of the woods is very interesting because, well, I'm in the Midwest here. I'm in good old Wisconsin. It's in this state that Wicca, as they call it, White witchcraft was legalized through Selena Fox. Folks, here's the thing. A, I met Selena Fox several times. Was in her present quite a few times. She did not like me. I went down to the Pagan Spirit Gathering in Minnesota. And I literally watched them setting their next set of plans in motion so that they could come in and completely take down the church as they detailed what they'd already done and how far it was taken. But then on top of it, we have, we had a good old book uh, by constant Cumby come out years back exposing the new age. Let me clear something up about the new age. There's nothing new about it. All they have done is took all the oldest 
forms of ancient occultism and wrapped them together into one nice little bundle. Once again, we had Helena P. Blavatsky who pushed her stuff out there. Then we had Alice Bailey who pushed her stuff out there, which formed into Lucius Publishing or Lucius Trust. Well, where did they take that from? Well, it was Lucifer, but they put Lucius because they're like, ah, we're being too obvious. And then they, on top of it, make a nice little statement about that man from the Rhine was one of ours. What were they telling you? Adolf Hitler was one of ours. In their own documents, they also stated, and I still have copies of these right from their website, their plans to take over the church. But then, as years progressed forward, Lucius Trust went on to a man named David Spangler, who also moved his base of operation to Madison, Wisconsin. So now all of a sudden we had two key players in one place. So these are the things that I'm having to witness in my own backyard because we have full-fledged dominionism. And let me break that word down for you folks so there's no more confusion because I'm a little tired of having to use the word crusader. That word in the Bible, we can literally break down to Nicolaitan. The simple definition is destruction of the people. They've used this doctrine, they have planned this thing since as early as the 1800s, and they have slowly slid this into place. When we came along into the 80s, as the Cold War was finally starting to boil down, that's when the neocons came along and said, let us get our legions. And they came in and they did what? They took over the church. Once again, everything I have stated, you can verify. I don't have to make up anything with conspiracies because all that I'm putting out here is verifiable. Now, let us roll forward so we can actually get into the biblical ends of this here because, folks, you need to really start putting two and two together here because Matthew pointed out some very important things already. You know, when we're dealing with the, uh, the uh, Maranos, we did a program about America in prophecy. And I also, for convenience sake, I put that onto my blog. I'm leaving a literal breadcrumb trail, people, so you can go over to AvertTensionShow.com. And I'm just leaving the links to a lot of these articles so you can go straight there. So I'm trying to do as much as I can to assist everybody into understanding what it is that I'm talking about. Because sometimes I know I can confuse people. And I know there's a lot of new people coming in that they're not hearing this anywhere else in the churches. So I can understand why people are getting upset. So I'm trying to help you as much as I can. But as we did this program on America and prophecy, and as Matthew did this nice illustration up, he points out that this word in the Greek from the uh, Strong's definition that we refer to, well, it literally breaks down to a marionose. And as we keep kind of going forward, we find out the definition here is not anxious, without care, or carefulness, secure, free from concern, free from care, free from trouble. And it's rather interesting because it shows up here in Ezekiel 38, verse 11. 
And you will say, I will go up against the land of unwalled villages. I will go against those who are at rest, that live securely, all of them living out without walls and having no bars or gates. Folks, it's rather interesting that this shows up here in Ezekiel 38 because Matthew asked me the perfect question one day that I tried to keep quiet about. I just waited till it was that moment. So as he's pointed out, I've been doing extensive work for years upon years on end, sorting out this table of nations so we knew exactly who all the key players were. And in this new world, especially here in the United States, folks, we do have key elements of that Gog and Magog war. You see, but they convinced everybody at that same window of time when the Dominionists started to roll their, uh, well, they refer to this as theocons now, which is literally a mix between a theocracy and conservatives. But I like how they put con at the end of each one of these things, neocon. Theo, con. It's like they're trying to tell you something. But this shows up here for a reason, folks. And we have gone to great lengths explaining how it is that this, what is referred to as the New World, is the only place that makes up one-third of the landmass in one location. Now, as we look here, so we go through Revelation 16, you know, we've got quite a few odds and ends going on here that obviously are very important. But to try to get through a lot of this and cover it at lightning speed, it's rather interesting that you know, Matthew had just brought up the kings of the East. It states here, the sixth angel poured out his bowl upon the great river, the Euphrates, and its water was dried up the way might be prepared for the kings from the east. Now this is time to explain some odds and ends here that happened as we came out of World War II, everybody. Now basically once the uh, European theater had basically been boiled down to a halt, Germany was stopped and any of its allies with it. You know, basically Russia was a key element within bringing down Germany. And that's when the sort of strange things started to happen in the background with what they were doing to Russia. They knew they wanted to keep them in there as an ally. You had the president during that time that they actually were getting along quite well. You had Winston Churchill in the mix, which is a whole other story in and of itself. But nonetheless, they were sort of getting along with Stalin to a degree well. But at the same time, they were kind of setting them up, wedging them in. And as I brought up, folks, they have released U.N. documentation of files that states what Britain and America were doing along with Germany. Because once again of the severe hatred towards Russia, which seems to be around since its founding. But they were wedging them in. As we roll forward even more so, as we get start moving towards the 50s and 60s, while well, we kept doing various odds and ends going on with Russia... There's key elements here that goes into on top of it, the river Euphrates being dried up and these kings of the east. After World War II boiled down, 
as far as the European aspect of it. Japan had not surrendered yet. Japan itself was, to break it down, essentially was an altogether separate war. They came in, they attacked China. As a matter of fact, they attacked China nonstop. All of that was going on. The United States is, you know, over here with all the new scientists that's acquired. They had scientists coming previous to it. They were going out rounding up German scientists as the European conflict was boiling down. Very complex to really get to the bottom of this. But the big thing they were looking for, they were saying, hey, does Germany have nuclear weapons? They didn't find any evidence of that. Their V-2 rockets were quite dangerous, not to even mention the chemical warfare factory they found, which would have been absolutely devastating if they were capable of launching that. But they couldn't find any nuclear weapons. So here we are with scientists over here working on the atom bomb, the H-bomb, all these different variants of bombs. And they're trying to bring about the unconditional surrender of Japan. So, of course, as things roll forward, many people are advising, do not drop this new weapon. Do not drop that in on Hiroshima. And then the the two different bombings with Nagasaki. They kept saying, don't do it. Don't do it. No, we need to show the entire world. They dropped it. Dropped the second one. Here's the thing that you don't hear in the Western media. Because Japan, when they were actually going in and saying, hey, hey, we're done here. Okay, whoa, 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 we surrender. Because Russia came flooding in and was making their way to start heading towards Japan. And when they came in like mad, Japan said, whoa, we're going to lose our emperor. Everything is going to come to an end at lightning speed. But before this, we went in and dropped these two nuclear weapons, atom bombs, whichever variant you want to call it, over there. And that was sort of the key to understanding everything that came next. Because they wanted a monopoly here in the United States on these nuclear weapons. All kinds of wheeling and dealing was done. We had the Warsaw Pact. We had stuff going on as far as Poland, all of that. But as we move forward through this... uh this Cold War mentality as we started rounding people up with McCarthy, all these people were being accused of being commies. They had all these trials. The thing on down the line, it's almost familiar to something we've had going on here over the years too. All this happens. But at the same time, what's going on? We have Korea. We had the North Korea-South Korea conflict. But then on top of it, the United States is up fighting North Korea, who came into the mix. China came into the mix, and it did not turn out well for America. We roll forward. We had all these other Asian nations that were being attacked. Um, CIA is coming in and overthrowing nations, doing its atypical thing, which, once again, folks, all of this is actually verifiable, too, through several sources. But I really had to um, kind of scratch my head. You know, stop with that end of things is, as I'm stating, well, America was in basically stirring up the entire group of people that were beyond the Euphrates rivers. All of the kings of the East. As we progress forward, we still got this Cold War tidbits going on. Moving forward, there comes a point where they're like, 
hey, wait a minute, we just found this book out there that's saying that all this terrorism that's going on throughout the world is being funded by Russia. So basically, the, uh, the varied strategists and people within the government are like, well, we need to find out what's really going on here, so let's go in and get a CIA investigation going on this so we can confirm this and do something about this. Now, here's the thing. is When you see the words out of the CIA, uh, the guy they went to in the CIA's, own mouth as he's sitting there and he's going guys that book is actually made up of all the uh intentional propaganda that we put out there we can't do this investigation because we made this up and they went oh no so what they do well they went and found another scholar once again they scapegoated russia we keep, you know, we keep seeing the same pattern over and over and over and over again. We have to have a boogeyman. They had to have Russia in place. You know, we had that revolution. And then the way they referred to it, which was bothersome to me, was the Lavender Revolution. Because I'd look into that. I don't really, I guess I just don't like uh, when people just want to hate people just for the sake of hating. But nonetheless... So we move through all these elements. You know, but uh, we've had a lot of weird things going on in this uh, current administration because Russia is just pretty much, that's all you see. This is all you see nonstop. Russia, 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 Russia. It's a complete wall of distraction. They got you right where they want you. You're looking everywhere except for where you need to be looking And yet we have the people that, you know, those out there that are talking about all this stuff that claim to even be the ones that expose dominionists. Well, they're telling everybody that, you know, the Trump prophecies and all this stuff, you know, they bring in this guy that if you go back and you look at the recordings, he states flat out that, If anybody touches this new Cyrus, God's anointed. God is going to kill them. And we have proof because he went and killed two people. Not bother anybody. Because it should. But that's what's being thrown out from those sides of the fence. What happened here in the Ukraine? We spoke about Manafort. We brought him up a couple of times here. And he was the first one that all of a sudden got everybody going, hey, Russia, Russia, Russia. Everybody started focusing on it again. Here's the thing. It's as I stated before. Manafort's role is not what you think it was. He was not with Yakinovic or however you pronounce that president's name that was ousted. And I left a breadcrumb trail to make it easy for people to follow. Okay, he was with the Western regime. He was with the group, with the snipers. He was with the entire slaughter that happened in Maidan on that day. BBC and Reuters investigators and multiple other investigators, BBC happened to be on the ground that day. And they started going through the film footage and they realized that somebody is 
one of these snipers that was in the areas that were held by the uh, Western-backed neo-Nazi coalition. And I'm not making up words, everybody. It is a neo-Nazi coalition. You can look several places. They fired shots at the police at their feet. And all those police that were lined with that president, they were gone by the time the slaughter happened. You can see this with your own eyes if you go to the BBC news documentaries that they made and watch what happened. So they were gone by that time. And yet all these, uh, the Western-backed neo-Nazi coalition, they were the ones that were in there firing on everybody that day. That's why all of a sudden, all the different leaks, all the different confirmations of the hacked things that came out of his daughter's phone, out of Manafort's daughter's phone, became important because then everybody said he needs to be brought up on a criminal investigation and criminal charges for his role in that massacre that day. And I would have to agree. But I'd have to agree, I think the charges need to be brought up across the board. But then again, that's the key, why the Ten Kings do what they do. Everybody, this is where the things get really sort of messed up because this isn't the first time that we pulled something like this. Because in 1949, America backed Ukrainian neo-Nazis in the immediate wake of World War II. The leader of the U.S.-sponsored Nightingale Group, Stepan Bandara. And this is where you have to understand some of the history of what happened in the Ukraine because we literally had, during that war, we had those that were Russian people that were living in one portion of the Ukraine. But when Germany on top of it came in, when the Nazis came in, there were people that aligned themselves with the Nazis. Okay, and this group that comes along much later when we had Julia, Julia Zhomenshenko came along back from the color revolution as she was jailed previous to that. Well, it's as we stated before, Matthew was contacted. We had received on the ground people stating, hey, these people are slaughtering us. We watched synagogues being burned to the ground. There was all kinds of reports coming out on a continual basis. The Jews were being attacked there. It was an absolute nightmare. And you can actually pull up news stories that have just been released in the last week that are still going to tell you that the neo-Nazi regime is controlling Ukraine and the western portions of it. And we did this once before. We did the same thing in 1949. So this is where things get a little peculiar. We have this war on terror that's being fought throughout the Middle East. We've discussed everything that Trump just did here with arming, well, He sort of armed everybody that's going to attack Israel when we have that Psalm 83 moment. We've got this perfect wrecking ball all throughout the Cold War. CIA came into the equation, the neocons, all of this. The United States has been running around, knocking over regimes, putting in their own puppets, and it does not matter what they do, 
They just do what they do. They've been out of control. You had the CIA called out on this with the infamous uh, church hearings. So they went, well, we can't do this with the CIA no more. We better create a new group. And they just kept doing the same thing. What did they do here, though? What is it they did here? They've set set everything into this perfect momentum. But I'm going to take a break here to let Matthew step in to get some wind and remind him that we started a half hour late. Uh, jump in here for a few minutes so we can jump into the Bible stuff here. I've tried to explain a lot of this, but this is years of history, folks. It's not easy to condense it into a short section. Yep. Uh, no problem. Yeah, we're we're already into overdrive, Bri. We're uh, seven minutes into overdrive. So, um, uh, let me remind you, we started at ten thirty tonight. We started at nine thirty, and it's eleven thirty-seven now. Well, eleven thirty-eight oh, now. I'm a knucklehead. My mistake. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. I'm used to it. <laughs> but, ladies and gentlemen, you have to understand that these people cannot be stopped. They can't be stopped. Um, some of the videos that Brian sent me where the FBI just comes out and says, well, we don't even know how to stop them. We don't know who, what, where, when, why. Um, and me and Brian has warned about this before. It's common knowledge what... America is doing across the span of this planet. Everybody knows it. I mean, what bothers me is Brian got together a bunch of links from this CIA website and sent me the page. And oh my goodness, it was off the charts. And it was perfectly obvious that not only the president, the director of the CIA himself said, we don't even know how to stop this. We don't even know where to begin. We don't know where these people are. So with this in mind, ladies and gentlemen, it comes full circle. Somebody has to stop us. This is why the Ten Kings do what they do. Because you know, when you can readily find the information that America has actually performed acts of war in 75 different countries now. We just show up and start bombing, and it's legal. Don't you realize, ladies and gentlemen, that what the Patriot actually did was pull out the stopper to the Great War. Do you understand that? Once the Patriot Act went into effect, it was legal for us to bomb everybody on any pretext. We don't have to declare war. And like I said, we, we have militarily engaged 75 different countries right now. We have to be stopped. This is all – oh my goodness, it's, it's all – most of it can be found on the government websites themselves. Don't you realize that? We just had Turkey and Greece 
even though they are at war on the island of Cyprus, they are our NATO allies, right? They're, they're in NATO. They got together with two of our enemies that are not in NATO, okay? Iran signed this no-fly zone with Russia. Didn't matter. We went in and bombed them. So don't you understand that NATO realizes you can't go to NATO. You can't go to the new version of the Warsaw Pact. You can't go anywhere and stop us. There is no jurisdiction over us. I mean, <clears throat> let's go back to, back to Barack Obama. 112 Tomahawk cruise missiles launched from submerged Los Angeles-class submarines. And Libya had literally done nothing. They, they had done nothing, even remotely close to attacking the American people. I mean, completely obliterated them. They, they, this is in the middle of the night from the depths of the Mediterranean. They, they never had any hope of even hoping. They didn't even possess any weapons that could engage those Los Angeles class attack subs. Now, I don't know what's in store for the Craw Canal, but you can bet your bottom dollar. It's going to have the United States military might. Doesn't matter if it's regular troops or mercenaries. And China knows it. This is going nowhere. The Lord our God tells us that he puts it into the heart of the ten kings to burn her so that they will have a common purpose. The ten kings accomplishes the will of the Lord our God. It's right there in broad daylight. So, oh my goodness, we're down two seconds now. I'm going to have to say goodbye uh, before this hangs up on us. We've got about 40 seconds left. So, ladies and gentlemen, I expect Brian and I to come on and discuss uh, this at a later date. Uh, you can find us at uh, clintoncowatch.com. That is spelled K-O-W-A-C-H. You can also uh, find Brian on overtattentionshow.com. And, of course, you can find me just by simply looking for me. Uh, until next time, ladies and gentlemen, God bless. Godspeed. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.